Welcome to the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. We're getting ready to have an old-fashioned line-on-line, precept-on-precept study of God's Word to search out those deeper truths and gain a greater understanding of the Bible. We would love for you to join us today as we dig in and learn what it is God would truly have us to know from His letter that He wrote to us. Welcome into this special episode of the Humans Under Grace Bible Study, Passover 2020. What a glorious day to be able to celebrate the Passover of our Father. Today we're going to begin our study in Exodus chapter 12, verse 1, and have a look at the original Passover and why it is that we are to keep the Passover celebration. Many churches these days celebrate pagan fertility rites and have no clue what they're doing don't even know what they're celebrating, what they're worshiping. But our Father told us, always, forever, celebrate the Passover. Now, with that being said, after, we, after the study, we will have communion. And I know, you know, for a lot of people, that's weird having communion over the radio, but if you'd like to join in, then you, all you need is just a little... Uh, uh, cracker or unleavened bread of some sort, and some red wine. Now, I know that there are some issues with wine, and grape juice is just fine. And even more than that, if you don't have a cracker and you don't have that, if you've just got something, a piece of unleavened bread and some water, it's not the ingredients that give the blessing. It's the obedience to God. So with that being said, we're going to ask for that guidance and understanding and Clarity from our Father as we begin in Exodus chapter 12, verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months, and it shall be the first month of the year to you. Now this will later be called Abib, or in the New, New Testament is, is Nisan. And what it is, this month, the first day of this month is the spring equinox. That being this year, March 19th. Verse 3, Speak ye unto the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to him be uh, next to his house, take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make you count for the lamb. So all that saying is that if your family's not big enough to eat a whole lamb and there's a family next to you in the same situation, it's okay to share the lamb. No big deal. Verse 5. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. Without blemish. Now that is a type for Christ. Christ was, is the only man to be sinless and that's why he could take on our sin on the cross. Verse 6. And you shall keep it, and you shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. The evening of the fourteenth day. Now, something about this calendar you've got to understand is that it's a solar calendar. So instead of it being midnight to midnight is a day, it was sundown to sundown was a day. So the sundown of the fourteenth day began the fifteenth day, and that is the Passover day. And they shall take of the blood and strike it 
on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the houses wherein they shall eat. Now there's something interesting in this. We'll go in this in Ezekiel here in just a minute to explain a very neat, the I guess you could say sim- symbolism in this. Verse 8, And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all, with water, but roast it with fire, his head with his legs, and the pertinence thereof. And you shall let nothing of it remain until morning, and that which remaineth of it until morning you shall burn with fire. So don't eat the leftovers. This is a, a sacrifice right then. It's an offering to God, and you and you don't you don't strain it. You don't let it go forever and ever. It's right then. That's the sacrifice. And thus shall you eat it with your loins girded, with your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover, because they're getting ready to run off. They're getting ready to get out of Egypt here. Verse twelve. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. That sacred name, Eah-Asha'iah, I am the Lord. Verse 13. And the blood shall be for you a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Now there's a Passover coming soon. The 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 blood of the Lamb of Christ will protect you from it. And it's that Passover whenever if his, if his blood is upon you, then you're saved and you are forgiven of any trespasses. And God will pass over you with repentance. And you and, and that's where everlasting life comes in. Verse 14. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and you shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations, and you shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. Right there, it is plainly stated that we are supposed to keep the Passover. If we believe in our Father, even though Christ died on the cross, somebody, some people want to say, well, then that's the end of that. It's not the end of that. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says, Christ became our Passover. He became the Passover lamb to die one and for all times. That just meaning that we don't have to sacrifice a lamb every year, but we still should celebrate the Passover. Verse 15, Seven days shall you eat unleavened bread. Even the first day you shall put away leaven out of your houses. For whatsoever eateth leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. Now Christ said in the Gospels that the leaven, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. It's that false teaching. Stick to God's word. Verse 16. And in the first day thou shalt be in holy convocation, and in the seventh day thou shalt be in holy convocation to you. No manner of work shall be done in them, save that which every man must eat. That only may be done of you. And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for in the selfsame day, have I brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you shall observe this day in your generations by an ordinance forever. We're going to move over to Deuteronomy chapter 16. Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 1. I'm going to see a little bit more about where 
this lays out as far as a timeline. Deuteronomy 16, verse 1. Observe the month of Abib, and keep the Passover unto the Lord thy God. For in the month of Abib the Lord thy God brought thee forth out of Egypt by night. Thou shalt therefore sacrifice the Passover unto the Lord thy God of the flock and of the herd in the place which the Lord shall choose to place his name there. Now, the fourteenth day, as we as we explained earlier, the fourteenth day at even became the fifteenth day of this first month. Fifteen days from March 19th puts us right on April 3rd, which is tomorrow. So sundown this evening is the Passover. That's why this is crucial. <clears throat> now, the symbolic the symbolism of the doorpost and the the upper of the door. Ezekiel chapter 9 verse 1. And this is in the this kind of goes back you've got to get in the Hebrew on this and the different languages. There is Paleo Hebrew which is old and then after the Babylonian captivity there came a new Hebrew uh, I guess you could say new, new Hebrew letters, a new way of writing. Ezekiel chapter 9, verse 1. He cried also in my ears with a loud voice, and this being uh, our God, saying, Cause them to have charge over the city to draw near, even every man with his destroying weapon in his hand. And behold, six men came from the way of the higher gate, which lieth towards the north, and even and every man a slaughter weapon in his hand. And one man among them was clothed with linen, with a rider's inkhorn by his side. And they went in and stood beside the brazen altar. And the glory of the God of Israel was gone up from the cherub, whereupon he was, to the threshold of the house. And he called to the man clothed in linen, which had the rider's inkhorn by his side. And the Lord said unto him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and that cry for all the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. Now this mark, in Hebrew this is, it's said a tav. Now a tav in Paleo-Hebrew looked just like our lowercase t. So it looked like a cross. Now after the Babylonian captivity, it came out looking somewhat like a lowercase n. And many say, well, you know, that kind of, just did away with the whole, the mark being a symbol of Christ. But if we take that lowercase n and apply it to a doorpost where you have two verticals and a horizontal, then you still have that Passover, that blood of that lamb, still written in that mark. So what that's saying is have that mark of Christ in your forehead, know his seals, and you'll be okay. Now let's move to Matthew chapter 27. Get into the Passover that would do away with bloodshed and the blood ordinances. Matthew chapter 27, and we're going to pick it up in verse 11. And Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus said unto him, Thou sayest. He didn't say, Yes, I am. He said, You said it. And when the priest, or and when he was accused of the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Now this falls in line with Isaiah chapter fifty-three, verse seven, where it would say, 
like a sheep before his shears. He was dumb. He wouldn't say nothing. He didn't defend himself. Verse 13, Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And he answered him to never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. Now at the feast, the governor, would, the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would. And they had them a notable prisoner called Barabbas. Now this Barabbas means son of the father, lowercase f. And then you have the true son of God right here next to him. What a coincidence, right? Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will I ye... Whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? Christ meaning the anointed one. Verse 18. For he knew that for the envy they had delivered him. When he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have nothing to do with this just man, for I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude that they should as Barabbas, and destroy Jesus. So his wife, see, in the Roman occupation, I guess you could say, the Romans weren't superstitious. Pilate was certainly not superstitious. But his wife came to him and said, you know, this ain't right. This is not right. Don't have anything to do with this. And Pilate could kind of see through it. And obviously he believed his wife. Verse 21. The governor answered and said unto them, Whether of the twain will ye that I release unto you? He's trying to give them a second chance. Are you sure you want me to let Barabbas go? Now, Barabbas was known for killing many, many people. They said, Barabbas. Pilate said unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all said unto him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why? What evil has he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could not prevail nothing, that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this person. See ye to it. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and our children. Now, see, they were so persuaded by this. They hated him. They had so much hate in their heart that they had even put this on their children. Verse 26, Then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Now, this scourging, maybe it was a bit of a, a play on maybe they would feel sorry for him and, and let, him, let him loose. But they hated him too much. They wouldn't. And it was also God's plan that this lamb be slain. Now, this is the day, the 14th day, and it's not yet even, evening. So it's about time. It's this Passover time coming to pass. You see, at 3 o'clock on this same day is when the priest would go in to make atonement for the nation. The one time a year that he could go in to the Holy of Holies. Well, now it's going to be changed this time. Verse 27. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers, and they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. The scarlet is purple, so it's supposed to be royalty. And when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it on his head. 
and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him, and they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. They didn't know what they were doing. And they spit on him, and took a reed and smote him on the head. And after that they had mocked him, they took the robe off of him, and put his own raiment on him, and led him away to crucify him. It just, it's kind of pathetic to sit there and somebody's already been beaten down and they got to keep on whooping on him. Verse 32. And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. You see, at this point, Christ was, the flesh was weak and he couldn't hardly make it. He'd been beaten pretty bad at this point. Verse 33. And when they were coming to a place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of the skull. They gave him vinegar to drink, mingled with gall. And when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. This vinegar is, is basically a poor man's wine. It's just a, it's a real cheap, uh, basically a Roman soldier's wine. They kind of, those that would, it, it was kind of a sign of compassion, like a little pain reliever that they were trying to give him. But he wouldn't drink it because he didn't want anybody to think that they had done something to ease his pain, ease his struggling, because this is the plan of God, as I said. This is the lamb being slain for that once and for all time Passover. Verse 35, And they crucified him and parted his raiments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down they watched him there, and set up over his head his, accus his accusation written, this is, this is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then were there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and the other on the left. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads, and saying, Thou that destroyeth the temple and buildeth it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. And it's no step he could have if he wanted to. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. A virgin shall conceive, and a son, and she shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. That being God with us. This was God in the flesh, and they are Father. And they are talking this trash to him. Likewise also the chief priest mocking him with the scribes and elders said, he saved, he saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, now they got it right. He wasn't just the king of Jews. Jews are one tribe out of 12 of Israel. Now they hit the nail on the head. He was the king of all of Israel. Let him now come down from the cross, and, he will, and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. Verse 44, The thieves also, which were crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. That's from about noon to 3 p.m. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama shabbatane. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there, when they heard that, said, This man calleth for Elias. And straightway one of them ran, Elias being Elijah, and straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, Let be, 
Let's see whether Elias will come to save him. Jesus, when he cried again, with a loud voice yielded up the ghost. And behold, the temple, the veil of the temple, was rent in twain from top to bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks went rent. Now this top to bottom is showing that it wasn't a man that rent this veil. A man didn't walk up and grab the bottom of it and tear it. God opened up this veil to the Holy of Holies right at the time when the priest would have been walking in, saying, come on in. Now that we can, we can walk right in and talk to our Father on the throne right now. We don't need a priest to do it for us. Now, verse 46, where it said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Many people say that Christ showed a weakness at this point, or that God turned his back on him. Emmanuel, God with us. How can he turn his back on himself? Go with me, if you will, to Psalms chapter 22. Psalms chapter 22, verse 1. Let's see exactly why Christ would have said this. Psalms 22, verse 1. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? This is a psalm of David a thousand years before the crucifixion. And those were the exact same words Christ cried out on the cross. Why art thou so far from helping me and from my words and from the words of my roaring? O oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not, and in the night season I am not silent, but thou art holy. O oh, thou that, that inhabitest the praises of Israel, our fathers trusted in thee. Now this is prophecy. Starting right here at verse 4. Think of what we just read at the crucifixion scene. Our fathers trusted in thee. They trusted, and thou didst deliver them. They cried unto thee, and were delivered. They trusted in thee, and were not confounded. But I am a worm and no man. This worm in the Hebrew is tolo. And what this is is a crimson worm that is used to dye clothes red. And you think of Christ on the cross with his blood pouring out of all over him. He's pretty red. He's pretty stained. A reproach of men and despised of the people. And all they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip and they shake their head saying, He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. That's exactly what they said in Matthew twenty-seven forty-three. But thou art he that took me out of the womb. Thou didst make me hope or trust when I was upon my mother's breast. I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. Naturally, because he was the father. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have compassed me. Strong bulls of Basham have beset me around. Huge enemies is what that's talking about. They gaped upon me with their mouths as a raving and a roaring lion. The false witnesses that were at the court that said that he said he would destroy the temple and raise it in three days. Naturally, Christ was talking about himself being raised from the tomb in three days. Verse 14, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax, and it is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws, and thou hast brought me into the dust of death. For dogs, or enemies, have compassed me. 
The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones. They look and stare upon me. They part my garments upon them and cast lots upon my vesture. But be not thou far from me, O Lord. O my strength, hasten thee to help me. Deliver my soul from the sword, my darling from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth, for thou hast heard me from the horns of the unicorns. Now these should be bulls. There's no unicorns. This should be bulls, just as the bulls of Bashan. I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. Ye that fear the Lord, praise him, or revere. All ye the seed of Jacob, glorify him, and fear him, or revere, meaning respect. All ye the seed of Israel, for he hath not despised, nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, neither has he hid his face from him. But when he cried unto him, he heard, My praise shall be upon he, uh, my, my praise shall be of thee in the great congregation. I will pay my vows before them that fear him. The meek shall eat and be satisfied, and they shall praise the Lord that seek him. Seek you, your heart shall live forever. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn unto the Lord, and all the kindreds of the nation shall worship before thee. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he is the governor among the nation. All, that they, all they that be fat upon the earth shall eat and worship, and they that go down to the dust shall bow before him, and none can keep alive his own soul. A seed shall serve him. It shall be accounted for the Lord for a generation, being that generation of the fig tree. They shall come and shall declare his righteousness unto a people that shall be born. That he hath done this. Now, the equivalent to that he hath done this, you can find in John chapter 19, verse 30. St. John chapter 19, verse 30. And what does it say there? Christ is on the cross. And he says, When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. That it is finished, once it was translated from the Hebrew to the Greek, which is what is the New Testament, and then from the Greek to the English, it came out, it is finished. But the original language is that he hath done this. Christ was not calling out and saying, why have you forsaken me when he was on the cross? Christ was teaching on the cross. He was saying, read this prophecy. Psalms 22 tells you the details of the crucifixion. His hands and feet being pierced, him even down to what the high priest would say what Caiaphas would say, in that he trusted on the Lord, that he would deliver him, so let him deliver him. We're going to move now into partaking of the table of the Lord in the communion. Many people will tell you that you're not to take of Holy Communion unworthily. What they do is they misunderstand the Scripture. The Scripture comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And what it's talking about is 
they'll say, oh, if, you, if you've sinned or this or that, then you're unworthy. Well, at that point, we are all unworthy. But what Paul is explaining is that as long as you believe that Christ was the Passover lamb slain, we're not the ones who are worthy to be the Passover. We're not the ones who were worthy to pour out the cup or to break the body. But Christ, that unblemished lamb, was worthy. And in partaking of the Lord's table, that's exactly what we're showing is our obedience to our Father who said, do this forever. And to Christ who said, do this in remembrance of me. So we'll move into the communion portion of this now. The Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner, he also took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Passover. We thank you for your sacrifice and that blood that was shed and that body that was broken that we can receive that eternal life. We gather here today and just do this in remembrance of you that your covenant might remain, that we are fulfilling our part in remembering and keeping the ordination of Passover as we should. We thank you, Father, for all the blessings that you have given us. We ask for any special blessings at this time. You know our needs, Father. We ask these in the precious name of Yahshua Messiah, Jesus the Christ. Amen.